Kim. Welcome to season two, episode 10 of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. Today we're covering chapters 54 through 57 of A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. Remember, this podcast is not for little ears, particularly due to the sexual content in this episode. Yes, hence the episode title, Fifty Shades of Fae. We have <laughs> chapter 55 to thank for that one. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. However, please remember to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen so that we can make sure that to get our podcast out to all of our fellow survivors of mass destruction. And speaking of rating and reviewing, please let us know either through a DM on Instagram or Facebook or by using the contact us form on our website. The first 20 reviewers who let us know they did will receive a special sticker from us. Yay, stickers! Yay, stickers! Yay! Also, if you are participating in the Saving Perithian Workout Challenge hosted by Books and Barbells, don't forget to share your selfies on Instagram and hashtag Saving Perithian Giveaway to participate in our joint giveaway for the challenge. Info on that is on Instagram and Facebook. And now, before we get started... The winner of our 1,000 Downloads and Listens contest is, drumroll please. I was going to say, I can't even do a drumroll, so woo! <laughs> the winner is at Riley's Reads. Congratulations. Woo. We will be in touch with you to get the candle to you. Woo, woo, woo. And I Yay! I think that's pretty much all we had. So, Kim, uh, ready to just really drop some heavy shit on us? Because 54 is a lot yeah yeah all right people buckle up and let's go oi. chapter 54 oi oi Oi's a good way to put it so chapter 54 i i fondly call this reese's story to tell because it's his story and Which he gets fair. to tell it yes yes he does a lot of telling he does he does a whole lot of talking um, I'm, I'm serious, people. We weren't kidding. This is a huge chapter. I'm going to do my best to get through it as fast as I can because it's a lot and it's a lot of information and it's a lot of backstory. So just know that I'm doing my best here to, to plow through this so we can get into the, the more fun part of the, the, the episode. So that we can bring you chapter 55 as brought to you by Dr. Seuss. You'll see when we get there. You'll see. It's fun. We had a good time. Okay. So chapter 54, as we know, chapter 53 ends and there's a pounding on the door and Feyre goes to open it and she's thinking it's more and it's not. She opens the door, the opening of chapter 54, and it's Reese standing there cold. And they're kind of just staring at each other for a moment because it's kind of the, oh, crap, they're really facing each other. And she decides to go ahead and let him in. But she acknowledges before this, and I want to read it because I think it's really important because it's like right up in the front of the chapter. I knew that one word from me and he'd go flying off into the crisp night, that if I shut the door, he'd go and not push it. But then we also huge. wouldn't have a book here, so. <laughs> well, we wouldn't. 
but you know it's kind of a big deal that she knows he would do that like that's that's the kind of guy he is he would he would respect her enough to to do that and and i wow you know i mean how awesome is that so go go resand um anyway she lets him in and he can smell he smells the paint before he even sees it but he he does he sees the paint it's just kind of like my mate my my mate and she she has this inner monologue and it says this beautiful strong selfless male who had sacrificed and wrecked himself for his family his people and didn't feel as if it was enough that he wasn't enough for anyone Azrael thought he didn't deserve someone like more and i wondered if reese if he somehow felt the same about me at which point he's walking in he's observing all the paint the, the painting she did he's like he looks around and he finally the first thing he says to her is you painted us after looking at all the painting she did he's he he looks at the eyes so this is great i love it he goes and he looks at the eyes and he, he counts them out he goes azrael moore amarin and cassian and then he's like you know and I, I, he's like he, he starts joking with her and he's like, you know, someone's going to get mad at someone and they're going to they're going to do like a mustache under the eyes kind of type thing. And, because that's and who Feyre they laughs. People. It is. It is so who they are as people. And, you know, favorite kind of laughs. And she's like, yeah, more already told me that. Then Reese asks the million dollar question, which is, well, what about my eyes? Feyre is she's OK, you know, dancing around this, I guess I'm going to suck up this bullet and answer it. And she's like, you know, my heart is pounding. And, and she looks at him and she's honest and she goes, I was afraid to paint them. And he's like, why were you afraid to paint my eyes? And I love her response because it is no more games, no more banter. At first, because I was mad at you for not telling me. And then because I was worried I'd like them too much and find that you didn't feel the same. And then because I was scared that if I painted them, I'd start wishing you were here so much that I just stare at them all day. And it seemed like a pathetic way to spend my time. A twitch of his lips. Indeed. So. She's kind of starting to put it out there. Sorry, I was going to say, which is more of a twitch of my eyeball when I read this, because I'm like, so what you're telling me is you've been alone in here for days and you knew you wanted him to come back and talk to him, but you were just like, I'm going to ignore this impulse. Exactly. How Exactly. And I think that's why he's like, indeed. He's kind of like, (laughs) I flew all the way out here because of why? What? Anyway. And Fair then is like, well, you flew here. And Reese is like, well, no shit, your luck, really? <laughs> She's so observant sometimes. Yeah. He f- tells her that he flew for two reasons. One, Hyburn has a bead on his magic, and he didn't want them just showing up anywhere to follow him. But two, Moore wouldn't tell him where he had taken her. But, you know... It's funny because he also is smart enough to realize that there are only so many places that were so private that more would have been able to take her. And so he had to fly from yeah, the Yeah, how long could camp. that list have been? Yeah, not not very at all. Um, so if you read Akafas, you'll discover there there's a place she could have taken her that nobody knows about, but that means that then Pharaoh would know about it. So hmm. anyway. 
that that's a total sidebar but don't worry guys read 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 through all of this get to aka fast and you'll know what i'm talking about anyway um so <laughs> he's he's kind of a little salty at more because she wouldn't tell him and he's very cold because he had to fly he had to do this the hard way to get to where Feyre is she was like you know Feyre's looking at him and she's like you're better and he's like yes completely thanks to you um considering the wolf's bane i mean the blood bane yes blood bane wolf's bane you know they're all banes banes of our existence um <laughs> so when, anyway um Feyre turns around and she she's avoiding the way he's looking she starts heading towards the kitchen and she's like you must be hungry i'll heat something up and Reese straightens up I'm going to read this exact section for you guys because it, 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 it's going to make sense because I have to explain it to you all. Restraightens. You make me food. Heat, I said. I can't cook. Which is terrifying seem... that she can't cook at all. Like, what was her plan if, like, like who's doing the cooking? I don't see Nesta or Elaine cooking. Who the fuck was cooking? I don't know. Her dad? I don't know. I just think that's terrifying. But anyway, go on. <laughs> I agree. So I guess out of the three girls, maybe Elaine. It could happen. It could happen. So Vera goes back and she says, heat, I can't cook. It didn't seem to make a difference, but whatever it was, the act of offering him food. I dumped some cold soup into a pan and lit the burner. I don't know the rules, I said, my back to him. So you need to explain them to me. He lingered in the center of the cabin, watching my every move. And he says hoarsely, it's an important moment when a female offers her meat food. It goes back to whatever beasts we were long, long time ago. But it still matters. The first time matters. Some mated pairs will make an occasion of it, throwing a party just so the female can formally offer her meat food. That's usually done amongst the wealthy. But it means that the female accepts the bond. You've heard us allude to the fact that soup is a big deal in the fandom and if you haven't gotten this far you now understand why because Farah has offered to warm up soup for Reese of all things <laughs> of all things but you know I mean as somebody who really likes a good bowl of soup I'm not gonna lie I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that soup is kind of one of my more favorite and things the house eat. is probably a better cook than she is most likely because it is spilled to take care of you so you know he uh he begins to tell her his story. She's like, look, you tell me the story. And at the end of it, I'll decide if I'm going to offer you this or not. Fair he knows deal. what she means. And I, I mean, I guess I kind of get it. It seems kind of stupid because we all know she's going to offer it and she's going to accept it. But whatever, if you're going to be a dingleberry, be a dingleberry, I guess. I, I don't know. She's still being a bit of a, a pain in my backside, if you want to know the God's honest truth. Fair. So he starts out and and he says um during the war he was captured by amarantha and her army and she delighted in torturing reese and his soldiers and torturing his soldiers and killing them to try to break reese to get information out of him it didn't work but it was as we all know how much amarantha loves to hurt and torture and torment people it was her thing to do at which point he does acknowledge and he talks about this and, and I, I i made a note of this it says you know 
he talks about the chains, those blue chains that Pharaoh found on him. And he says, those chains are one of Hybern's greatest assets, stone delved from deep in their land, capable of nullifying a high phase powers, even mine. So scary that they actually have this kind of a weapon. Who, who needs bloodbane when you've got these blue chains of God knows whatever? Yeah, apparently they're just a catch-all. Yeah, kind of scary. And so Reese, I'm not going to go into the whole story that he tells her about the war, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Amarantha didn't really care that, that you know, Reese was there, just that he was a high lord's son. So she, you know, worked her way through his soldiers to try and torment and torture and, and get what she could out of him, which wasn't much at all. Um, however, they failed to break him because none of them were smart enough to realize he was Illyrian. So if they had threatened to cut off his wings, he probably would have caved like, you know, a toothpick under, you know, a hundred pound brick. But yeah, I feel like he got lucky that everyone's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, that's kind of an obvious, but whatever. So anyway, they were just too stupid. They didn't realize he was Illyrian. So nobody tried to do that. And they just, Anyway, they just tortured him in general, which is kind of stupid. And Amaranth ends up focusing on Jurian because he had just killed her sister, Clithia. And Amarantha wanted revenge. And she spent... So anyway, Amarantha's going after Jurian because he had killed Clithia, her sister. And she wanted revenge on Jurian. And so Jurian was her target and she kind of forgets about Reese. So this is giving Reese all kinds of time to kind of sit and stew and plot his own revenge um, on Amarantha and how he's going to kill her. He decides he's going to kill Amarantha. And Amarantha and Jurian face off on the battlefield and Rhysand is there. He can actually see it. And he was mad that he's chained up because he had to watch as Jurian went to take his killing blow. But Amarantha stops Jurian and he can't make the killing blow. And she literally freezes his body and freezes him up, makes him completely immobile. And she took his eye and his finger at that moment. And she drags him back to her camp and she tortures him for days, completely forgetting about Resand. Crazy lady. I repeat, totally batshit crazy woman is not normal there's something very wrong with her and so she's you know she's having her fun with jurian poor dude like i actually feel kind of sorry for the guy to be honest because that's kind of shitty fair she was so busy torturing jurian she didn't realize reese's dad had showed up so as soon as she realizes the High Lord is there. She kills Jurian and she runs because she's like, oh shit, I got to get the hell out of Dodge. Um, so they free Reese and any of his soldiers that are left alive. And it's never made clear if any are. I don't think any are, but you know, who knows? There, there could have been one or two, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's specified. And, but the big thing is, is so Reese's dad 
tells his soldiers to leave the ash bolts that are in Reese's wings in as a punishment for getting caught. Nice, Dad. Really nice. Glad to know you, you love your kids so much that you do that. And well, we knew he wasn't much of a winner to begin with. This is true. We do know what an ass he is. Um, so anyway, he let, he tells his people to leave Reese's, the, the, the ash bolts in Reese's wings. Um, and his wings were so damaged that, that he was told, don't try to fight, don't try to fly, don't try to do anything, or you will literally, you know, you'll, you'll never fly again. So he missed the last few battles because he was sent home. Yep. And he, he actually, he, as he says in here, he says, they made the treaty and the wall was built. We'd long ago freed our slaves in the night court. We didn't trust the humans to keep our secrets. Not when they bred so quickly and so frequently that my forefathers couldn't hold all their minds at once. But our world was changed nonetheless. We were all changed by the war. Cassian and Azrael came back different. I came back different. We came here to this cabin. I was still so injured that they carried me here between them. We were here when the messages arrived about the final terms of the treaty. Reese was a little upset about this. He didn't like the fact that they had made this treaty and the right. terms were. And one of the things that upset him the most is apparently Amarantha was not punished for anything she did to him, to his soldiers, to Which anybody. Is bananas. Exactly, it is. It's totally bananas. And that the King of Hybern wasn't punished either. And Amazing never... how these would have solved some problems. You think? I think. I think they would have. But hey, what do I know, right? Um, hindsight, so anyway, 2020. Yeah, it is. It's so 2020 in hindsight. You know, we the things we know if we had actually done that. Um, we wouldn't have a story, so we can start there. <laughs> fair point, fair point. This would be a very different book. It would be. So um, he, as it goes, he never fought, forgot or forgave Amarantha for what she did to him or to his soldiers. And Tamlin's father was friends with Amarantha. He hoped that she was hurt when his father killed him. So when Queen Amarantha returned 50 years ago, or actually it was more than that, it was like probably a hundred years ago, actually, when Amarantha returns to, to the fairy courts, um, Reese still wanted to kill her. And she had no idea who Reese was. What an idiot. That she had been the one to capture him, to torture him, to do all those horrible things to him. Just that he was the High Lord's son, the son of the High Lord who had killed her friend, Tamlin's father. As everything's going on, you know, and she's, she's trying to woo over Prithian's High Lords to, to talk to her and, 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 and do trade and she wants peace. You know, the other High Lords believed that Amarantha genuinely wanted peace and, and trade what it is yeah you know hello not the not the brightest bulbs in the the bunch here and um only um only tamlin and resand didn't trust her and tamlin's distrust was enough for resand to know she had not changed because tamlin had known her growing up because right. of his father 
And so I find it really interesting that like at this point they're enemies, but the fact that Tamlin doesn't trust her is enough to, to set Reese off and just be like, nope, 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 gotta go. Amarantha at this point had set up a court under the mountain and was had hosted a party and Reese went and he had decided he was going to kill her. And he had told no one, not, not even Amarin. And he goes, I, I like Amarin. Think about how wild that must have been. Like that had to be like crazy. Like, you know that because of what happens next, all of them were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was you fucking doing there in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. As he says, he goes, I plan to kill her. I told no one, not even Amarin. I'd let Amarantha think I was interested in trade in Alliance. I decided I'd go to the party thrown under the mountain for all the courts to celebrate our trade agreement with Hyburn. And when she was drunk, I'd slip into her mind and make her reveal every lie and crime she committed. And then I'd turn her brains to liquid before anyone could react. I was prepared to go to war for it. Amarantha was faster than Resand because that night he didn't bring anybody from the inner circle with him. He only brought members from the Court of Nightmares with him. And because he was going to use his Daimati powers to kill her, it didn't occur to him that she might have trained against Daimati powers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that didn't occur to him, but what a fail. Ego. That's all I can think is ego to has some degree. To yeah, it has to be. You know? Um, and so anyway, he, you know, he she trains against him she was faster than him she thought she thought three steps ahead of all of them and because he didn't bring anything anyone from the inner circle with him nobody thought to check his drink including reese so he was drinking and he made the toast and gave the drink he could feel his power slipping away as she stole them and the last thing he could do was to send out a message to the inner circle and and his last redeeming power to save valaris and protect it and to wipe the minds of all the night court members that were there of Valaris um, that were in under the mountain. Which again is just wild. Crazy. The fact that he had enough power to do that more so than anybody else, he had enough power to do that much tells me exactly how powerful he was compared to the others. But also, and I think, oh, and I will never be able to find it again because I didn't save it so if anybody knows what i'm talking about feel free to like tag us and let me know um but somebody pointed out this part in a tiktok because we were saying how like in the tv show if we're getting flashbacks during this rather than him just saying it i Mm. would love to see the inner circle's face as they're getting this message from him because you know none of them knew where he was they're realizing that they can't help him now and somebody pointed out that actually probably the most like heartbreaking one to watch would be Amarin because yeah. somebody like was writing like how they'd probably all respond and like probably Cassian and Az would kind of spaz trying to figure out if they can get to him or not more would probably right. just be kind of shocked and like trying to like calm the two of them down like there's nothing you can do now but Amarin they were pointing out probably would just be like deathly silent and still and just like staring at the night sky realizing what's happening yep and like, I, I think watching Amrin have that moment of like, this is when it's going to get ugly. Cause like Amrin's probably the only one I would trust to like, think kind of like he thinks, which is like multiple steps ahead. Like she knows how ugly this is about to get. 
Yeah, I agree. That would be cool. I'd love to see that. And I hope, I really hope they do this as flashbacks. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I think, because it, I think would, it, would be, it would make. Yeah. I think it would really, really show off some good acting chops. Assuming we get good acting chops. <laughs> Please God. Not only will show off good acting chops, it'll really give the story some body and meat that it kind of needs. Sure. Anyway, she, as he says, he goes, you know, within a few seconds after all of that, my power belonged wholly to Amarantha. She slaughtered half the court of nightmares right then and there to prove to me that she could as a vengeance for Tamlin's father. And I knew, I knew in that moment, there was nothing I wouldn't do to keep her from looking at my court again, from looking too long at who I was and what I loved. So I told myself that it was a new war, a different sort of battle. And that night when she kept turning her attention to me, I knew what she wanted. I knew it wasn't about fucking me so much as it was about getting revenge at my father's ghost. Can we say Hamlet? I, oh, I, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm having a Hamlet. It's a little bit. Weird Hamlet moments here. Um, anyway, but if that was what she wanted, then that was what she would get. Reese goes out of her way to make it good for her and enjoyable. When Amarantha curses Tamlin, we stand realizes this is also the loophole to freedom for them, for all of Prithian, to free them from the curse that she had put them under. And Rhysand goes out of his way at this point to start making Amarantha trust him and believe that he was on her side and he was there, he was going to do what she needed to help him, yada, yada, yada. Right. And apparently she's stupid and fell for it for the most part. She was. She was so stupid. And he goes, I hated myself, but I was glad to do it. After a decade, I stopped expecting to see my friends or my people again. I forgot what their faces looked like. And I stopped hoping. Okay. I just want to stop for a second. God bless. That is depressing as hell. Definitely. Oh, definitely. I mean, oh my God, this poor guy. He's, he, he's so distraught that he's completely forgotten what his friend's faces look like. I, I, I can't even imagine. I just, I cannot imagine what he's going through for that. So, oh my gosh. Which brings us Crazy. back to some people know how to work through their trauma. Clearly he is working through his trauma and other people, not so much. Tamlin. Yeah. Good old tampon. Tamlin the tool. And then he looks at Farah, and he's like, three years ago, I began to have these dreams they were like snapshots every few months they would come kind of fought fuzzy little little glimpses it's like she he was seeing things through another person's eyes and he finally had one and it was of this beautiful artist's hand and they were painting flowers so he pushed a thought through back at the image of the night sky and I mean, he saw things like a bale of hay or a warren of rabbit. And if any of us are paying attention, we realize he is talking about Farah and her experiences and what's going on. Which is, I love how he, like, I love the monologue he's got for that, where he says uh-huh. those, those dreams, the flashes of that person, that woman, I treasured them. They were a reminder that there was some peace out there in the world, some light, that there was a place and a person who had enough safety to paint flowers on a table. 
And I just love that because like, he doesn't know, like he doesn't know that actually her family is falling apart, but to him, this is like, look how, how much, like there's some, somebody somewhere out there is actually like not living this horrendous life I'm living, which is wild because she's probably thinking, man, somewhere out there, somebody not living the horrendous life I'm living. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I just think it's like really wild that like people, you, you have no idea you know, it's kind of like a grass is always greener thing. Like you have no idea yes. what other people are going through. And like, he had no idea who she was, but it was helping him. And she had no idea that those images of the night sky were being pushed to her, but it helped her too, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so he goes through and he's, you know, he's like, you know, about a year ago, I'm asleep and I get jolted awake out of a dream. And this dream was clearer and brighter, like the fog had been wiped away. She, as he says, you were dreaming. I was in your dream, watching as you had a nightmare about some woman slitting your throat while you were chased by the boggy. I couldn't reach you, speak to you, but you were seeing our kind. And I realized that the fog had probably been the wall and that you, you were now in Prithian. I find it bizarre. He doesn't realize that the woman in her dreams, and I don't know how many of us didn't figure this out, because after I read it the first time, I knew exactly who the woman in the dreams was. It was Amarantha. Yeah, I didn't know we weren't supposed to understand that. <laughs> I was oh. like, dude, really? Like, a woman slitting with Who do you... I mean, she's having a nightmare about a woman she's never met wanting to kill her and slit her throat. And Honestly, here's the other thing I don't get. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a small rant here because, like I said, this, this chapter has so much to unpack, but this is one of the things I need to unpack on it. You know, we talk about he has a story to tell, and Reese, for all of his brains, doesn't come to grips with the fact that, okay, she's talking about Amarantha. She's not met Amarantha yet. How in the hell would she even know about Amarantha, that Amarantha would want to kill her like that? and Here's the part I don't get. Nobody talks about it. We all talk about how Elaine is the seer. It sounds like Vera was having a vision in her nightmare. And if she's having a I vision- would, I would wonder, I would come to question. I don't think she's intentionally having a vision. I would wonder oh, if no. it has to do with the bond and it just has to do with the fact that like, she doesn't know, like if he can project the night into her vision so she can paint it, he could unwillingly, unknowingly project some of the fear into her- because she is in Prithian at this point. I'm assuming this is one of the nightmares after she's shown up to Tamlin's. Right. In which case well, she one, vaguely knows. This is the one knows, with the boggy. Right. So she vaguely knows of bad, ugly things. But he could easily accidentally shove it down the bond of like, this is the bad, ugly thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, the fact that he doesn't even pick up on that. I mean, there's... Yeah, I know. I know. I'm. There's just a lot of... I have a lot of questions about this because I, I question the way some of this was just put in there. It just seems like yeah. this was not as clearly thought through as it could have been. And there's a lot of information that could have been there that isn't. And I feel like dots could have been connected that weren't. And I'm kind of annoyed that it's like nobody tried to connect these dots, including Reese. Like if anybody should know to connect these dots, it would be Reese and Reese didn't even connect them. And I'm kind of like, I want to reach through and smack him. It's okay. He connects the dots where it matters, which is like the next dream when he figures out where she is. This is true. 
this is so true. But my point being, you know, he, he should know. Anyway, he realizes that she is in Prithian, whoever this mysterious she is at the time. And one night, Vera has another dream of standing amongst green hills, seeing the bonfires for Kalanmai. And Reese knows there's only one place that does that, that looks like that, and that's the spring port. So he told Amarantha, he gets Amarantha to let him go. And he uses the theory of, he, he, can, he convinces Amarantha to send him because he goes, I told her I wanted to go to the spring court for the celebration to spy on Tamlin and see if anyone showed up wishing to conspire with him. We were so close to the deadline for the curse that she was paranoid and restless. She told me to bring back traitors. I promised her I would. So here we are at Kalanmai. And when he found her, because he could smell her, he literally could smell her when he got there. I don't well, understand. Right. Which is because he even mentions that like when he would wake oh, up from right. being in her dreams, he would mention that he, he could smell her and he would and be like tortured her by and- that all day because he'd be like, who the fuck is this person? Right. He could smell her. He could, he the taste of her was up in his nose from the smell and all. Yeah. So he could smell her. And so he follows the scent and he realizes at this point, she's totally human and she's being dragged away by the picks, which were those bizarre fairies that were bothering her. If we all remember. Yeah. The jackasses. And he's like, I decided to rescue you because well, obvious reasons. And he's like, I debated slaughtering them then and there, but then they shoved you and I just moved. I started speaking without knowing what I was saying, only that you were there and I was touching you. And, and the first words out of his mouth come to Favor's mind and they are, there you are. I've been looking for you. And Favor realizes that the first words he ever spoke were not a lie at all. Not a threat to keep the fairies away either. They were actually the truth. Yeah. Thank you for finding her for me. So again, it's just kind of like a whole weird thing. And Reese acknowledges that, you know, he knew as soon as she looked at him, she had no idea who he was, that he had been in her dreams. As he says, I might've seen your dreams, but you hadn't seen mine. And you were just human. You were so young and breakable. And had no interest in me whatsoever. And I knew that if I stayed too long, someone would see and report back and she'd find you. So I started walking away thinking you'd be glad to get rid of me. But then you called after me like you couldn't let go of me just yet, whether you knew it or not. And I knew, I knew we were on dangerous ground somehow. I knew that I could never speak to you or see you again or think of you. I didn't want to know why you were in Prithian. I didn't even want to know your name because seeing you in my dreams had been one thing, but in person, right then, deep down, I think I knew what you were. And I didn't let myself admit it because if there was the slightest chance that you were my mate, they would have done such unspeakable things to you, Farah. So I let you walk away. I told myself after you were gone that maybe the cauldron had been kind and not cruel for letting me see you just once as a gift for what I had been enduring. He goes back and he finds the picks and he takes them to Amarantha as the traitors and she tortures them to death. 
because he gets them to con confess that they were, he broke into their minds and made them lie to confess that they were gonna go against Amartha at the same time they're saying, no, we weren't, but they confessed that they were because he made them. It was kind of funny. Yeah, but, but before we worry about that, I'm just throwing out here that like that whole big chunk you just read us, again, mm -hmm. thinking about the TV show, if we don't get somebody with some fucking acting chops, oh my God, because that could be such a beautiful and heart-wrenching scene if done correctly mm -hmm. correct so, because we're gonna see it from the first book yeah exactly so the flash and then we see it as fabulous. a flashback at, yeah. from a different pov yeah yeah could be gorgeous could be wonderful or it could be really awful or it could be done really poorly <laughs> here's hoping for the first not for the last yeah my fingers are crossed because I don't know if I could handle it. I'll be honest. I just don't know. But he didn't have a problem doing what he was doing with these picks when he gave them up to Amarantha because he knew what they wanted to do to Feyre. And so he's like, you know, poetic justice. And as he says, I knew it would have paled in comparison to what Amarantha would have done to you if she'd found you, which kind of freaks Feyre out. And she remembers that he told her one night, one time, I had my reasons to be out then. And it was under the mountain when he told her this. And he says, do not think, Pharaoh, that it did not cost me. And that, that memory flashes into her mind that he says that. You know, I could hear that totally being a voiceover coming back. Definitely. 100%. In the, in the, in the TV show. We'll see. So anyway, um, but Reese is, he, he keeps he keeps talking and he's like you know he he admits he didn't realize that he you know she was there with tamlin and that he, she was staying with tamlin in the spring court and the whole bit so because of his success during cal and my amarantha sends him back after the summer solstice and and here we get more of a kind of a flashback from a different pov womp womp i know this is going to be cool like i really hope they do it right yeah God, i really I hope do, they do it right yeah this I is going to be too. so awesome because I want to see, you know, the first time we know we're going to see it from Farrah's point of view, right? And now I want to see this whole bit with, with yeah. Lucian and all from Reese's point of view. Yeah, exactly. So as he tells her, he goes, I was prepared to mock him, maybe pick a fight. But then I got into that room and the scent was familiar, but hidden. And then I saw the plate and felt the glamour, and there you were, living in my second most enemy's house, dining with him, reeking of his scent, looking at him like, like you loved him. And I decided I had to scare Tamlin. I had to scare you and Lucian, but mostly Tamlin, because I saw how he looked at you too. So what I did that day, I broke into your mind and I held it enough that you felt it, that it terrified you, hurt you. I made Tamlin beg as Amarantha had made me beg to show him how powerless he was to save you. And I prayed my performance was enough to get him to send you away, back to the human realm, away from Amarantha, because she was going to find you. If you broke that curse, she was going to find you and kill you. But I was so selfish that I couldn't walk away without knowing your name. 
and you were looking at me like I was a monster. So I told myself it didn't matter anyway. But you lied when I asked. The yeah, end so of that I quote. Walked... I was going to say, because the end of that quote is the important part, I feel like. I agree. So at the end of this, he goes, so I walked away from you again. And I vomited my guts up as soon as I left. Because it's a reminder that, like we said all along, it's like he always had a plan. He did. I mean, mm-hmm. even every word he said in front of her in book one was Mm -hmm. part of a bigger picture that you just couldn't see and so this is kind of the proof that like this was the plan even if it like hurt him desperately to do so and it does hurt him and I think it's important to see that he really isn't the monster that everybody wants you to believe he is in book one and that exactly because of that he you know he's he's sitting here showing everybody I was so upset that it literally made me sick to my stomach to have to to do this and so, as we know, Tamlin gets scared enough, he does send Feyre away. So Reese says he checked back once more to ensure that she was gone. He went with them the day they sacked the manor to make my performance complete. And I told Amarantha the name of that girl, thinking you'd invented it. I had no idea. I had no idea she'd send her cronies to retrieve Claire. But if I admitted that lie, so he says he broke into Claire's mind when they brought her into the mountain and he basically took away all of her pain, you know, told her to scream when to scream and, but he made sure she didn't feel any pain that all the torture and everything that was being done to her was not something she could actually feel because he was controlling her mind and, and had control. And he did everything he could to make it as decent as possible for her under the circumstances definitely definitely and i think again i just i see this scene so well in my mind if you can get an actor who can pull it off like good lord but because he says but i still see her and my men and the others that i killed for amarantha and then this is the part where i'm like yeah it basically gives you fucking stage directions (laughs) two tears slid down his cheeks swift and cold he didn't wipe them away as he said i thought it was done after that with claire's death amarantha believed you were dead so you were safe and far away and my people were safe and tamlin had lost so it was done and i just feel like you know how i feel about this character you you know who i'm thinking mm-hmm. in my head i'm just saying certain actors could pull this off and make this really really good <laughs> yes they could i agree I'm there, girl. I'm with you. Me and you. I'm there. And a few select people on TikTok that I have recently found. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) This is so true. Shows up in Amaranthus Court. The terror that Reese feels is beyond anything he can imagine because his worst nightmare has now become true. She's back and she's there. And he's like, oh, fuck, how do I prepare? Right. And part of what scares him is, is part of his fear is, is what Amaranth is going to do to those beautiful hands of hers, those artists' hands of hers. So he decided to fight. He was like, fine. He's going to fight. He changed the fight. And he also decided to send a message to others who knew where to look so that they could have hope after his bargain with Farah. 
and he decided to do this. He purposely chose to bet again or bet for Pharaoh where everybody else is betting against her during the Midgard worm because he had a feeling she was going to win. I got a feeling. Yep. <laughs> Tonight's going to be a good night. <laughs> got me a little premonition. Yeah, no, for real. And I, again, I feel like we kind of called it in the first book. I mean, it's like, <laughs> we realize it sounds like crap coming from us because we've already read the books when we were talking about the first book with you all. But honestly, we caught like Kim knows when I was texting her incessantly mm-hmm. during the first book, like we, like there was something about that that had to be important. You know what I mean? What is that mm-hmm. movie? Um, shoot, what is the movie that I'm thinking of that has that quote? Uh, Oh, uh, National Treasure, where he says, it's a big bluish green statue with a funny looking goatee. That has to be of some importance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and exactly. it's like, that's how I felt about this. I was like, it's a weird man betting on this girl. It has to be of some importance. <laughs> well, you know, it just didn't make sense. Like, even when I read it the first time, I was like, he's betting for her everybody else is betting against her the bet everybody else he's betting that she's gonna win so he's either gonna lose so bad or he's gonna win obnoxious amounts of money he won so yeah it definitely sounds like a duck walks like a duck talks like a duck it's a duck so he enters this bargain with her and as he put as he put it, he goes, I found my way in with you, a way to defy Amarantha to spread the seeds of hope to those who knew how to read the message and a way to keep you alive without seeming too suspicious and a way to get back at Tamlin and use him against Amarantha and to get back at him for my mother and my sister and for having you. When we made that bargain, you were so hateful that I knew I'd done my job well. Oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> Like that actually broke my heart a little when I read it the very first oh, time. And every time I read it, it's yeah. just like, but oh. it's fucking worse because he also addresses the bullshit in the hallway that we addressed. Yes, he does. We're getting there. So he talks about the fact that he dressed her in those scanty outfits to keep Amarantha from looking at her and really paying attention because it worked until that very last night when he saw her in the hallway with Tamlin and he was so insanely jealous and pissed off and angry and Amarantha saw it for what it was. Okay, but the quote is so important because that's what you and I fucking said and that too. I was jealous. I was jealous of him and pissed off that he'd used the one shot of being unnoticed not to get you out, but to be with you. Remember when we were all like way out and we were like, Matt, dude's perspective are we just wrong and he was like nah like i can think of like four other fucking things to do that weren't this <laughs> exactly and we're like and there you have it folks a man has told us this is dumb <laughs> like- <laughs> exactly <laughs> so matt and reese on the same team <laughs> yes yes Anyway, Amarantha figures it out she sees the jealousy she saw him kissing pharaoh to hide it but she saw why so for the first time, she saw what Reese was doing. So after that night, when you know she went back to her room, to her, not room, to her cell, he had to service, and I say that with big fat air quotes, Amarantha. 
and he kept she kept him in there longer than usual trying to squeeze answers out of him but he gave her what she wanted to hear that that pharaoh was nothing that she was human garbage yada 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 and he goes i wanted to see you afterward one last time alone i thought about telling you everything but who i'd become who you thought i was i didn't dare shatter that deception and I think that's kind of important for all of us to remember is, is he really wanted to kind of show all of his cards. Like remember earlier in this book when Pharaoh really wanted to show her cards to one Tarquin? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Reese kind of really did understand what she was trying to do and knew it wouldn't work. So Exactly. Well, and also this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is that last night. This is that time he shows up in her cell and he's like, she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, can't you just fucking like shut up? And like, I just need a minute pace. <laughs> like, yeah. can't you believe yeah. that I just need somewhere to go? Like, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense. So anyway, he gets there. The next day, her final trial arrives. And as hard as everything was, he was fine until after it was over and she had broken the curse but hadn't broken it because amarantha wouldn't allow it to be an immediate break of the curse because she didn't solve the riddle dumbass amarantha not favorite <laughs> yeah no so not a fan that when she started as as reese tells her when she started torturing you something snapped in a way i couldn't explain that only seeing you bleeding and screaming undid me and broke me at last i knew as i picked up that knife to kill her i knew right then what you were i knew that you were my mate and that you were in love with another male and had destroyed yourself to save him and that i didn't care if you were going to die i was going to die with you I couldn't stop thinking it over and over as you screamed, as I tried to kill her. You were my mate, my mate, my mate. Again, I feel like this has to be done so carefully and incredibly well in season one. Yes. So we have these amazing flashbacks to go to. Yeah, I feel like it has to be well done enough that because we even talked about it in book one it's okay if you question but yeah it has to be done so incredibly well and we talked about like in book one it's okay if you quite if you question why is he reacting the way he is because we don't know you're right we don't and i don't know i just like we don't know but it doesn't matter because we still get the description in book one and it's we do get that description and you know i think it's great because even even without knowing this part of the story the fact that if we all remember, she had told Tamlin when that one fairy died in the, the hall at the spring court that, you know, why he asked her, why do you, why are you, why did you stay to, to stay with him for like that? And she's like, cause I wouldn't want to die alone. And I, you know, and we talked about this then during right. book one, that it was kind of like Reese's way of being there. So she didn't have to die alone. She wasn't alone. And that's what he and even so, tells her when he can't tell her the truth. That's what he tells her at the end of book one when she asks right before right. he has his moment she's he basically says you know i didn't want you to die alone 
Right. And that's, and that's why we make the connection at the end of book one. That's like, what the fuck? Because she has never said that to him. She said that to Tamlin, but he's the one who said the words back to her. And that's why you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for him to admit it this way, is just kind of an interesting, as he's telling the story, it's just an interesting kind of turn on, on everything. So then he's like, she snapped your neck and I felt you die. And again, we have these beautiful stage directions in here. Tears were sliding down my own cheeks. So Farah is now crying. And I just, I do kind of like the fact that you do get some of this because. You do. Yeah. It paints a really clear picture. It does. It paints a really good picture. And Reese says to her, he goes, I clung to the bond, not to the bargain, but to the actual mating bond. And he goes, and I tugged on you and I willed you to hold on. And he uses that to speak to the other high lords so that after Amaranth's death, he could, they could save her, they could bring her back. And that, that's what he did is he held on to her um, on the bond and held on and willed her to stay there so that they had a chance to save her. And as she says, home. Home had been at the end of the bond. I told the bone carver, not Tamlin, not the spring court, but resand. Yeah, because at the time when she's talking to the bone carver, she doesn't really know, but that's what she tells him. Right. She's like, I just feel like it was home. And so, yeah, right. like, I think she was always aware of the fact that it wasn't Tamlin or the spring court, but it took until now <laughs> to put together what Two it was. and two together. Yeah. He waits to leave and he, you know, as we all know, at the end of book one, they meet up on the balcony. And as he says, he goes, I put, I tugged on the bond and brought you to me. And he's like, I almost told you then you were so sad and tired. And for once you looked at me like I was worth something. So I promised myself that the next time I saw you, I'd free you of the bargain because I was selfish and knew that if I let you go, then he'd lock you up and I'd never get to see you again. And when I went to leave you, I think transforming you into the Fae made the bond lock into place permanently. I'd known it existed, but it hit me then and hit me so strong, I panicked. I knew if I stayed a second longer, I'd damn the consequences and take you with me and you'd hate me forever. So when he like gives that big odd look and he freaks and we already knew what had happened, he's acknowledging that's exactly what it was. Yeah, which also is like, again like props to this guy for realizing that like if he stuck around he was gonna make bad choices so he got the hell out of dodge yes i agree as we know from that point on fair goes back to the spring court with tamlin and we know what her life was like Mm, such a party and full of roses not he however lands it at the night court to find more pacing frantic freaking out and, and the I first want thing to out of see it, this, I want to see this. I, I know, I, I want I know to see it's it. not going to be a flashback, but I want to see it. I know, I really want to see this too. And she's like, he goes, you know, I hadn't seen her 50 years. And his first words to his cousin, she's my mate. <laughs> Could you imagine being more? <laughs> exactly. And that's why I want to see it. Because again, if you get the right actress. So. We will see what comes out of this. I'm curious to see how they acted out. But he's like, you know, for three months, I tried to convince myself that, that 
you were better off without me that that you were marrying the man that you loved and that everything I'd done to make you hate me and he goes but then I felt you through the bond through your open mental shields I felt your pain and sadness and loneliness and I felt you struggling to escape the darkness of amaranth in the same way I was I heard you were going to marry him and I told myself if you were happy I was going to let you be happy even if it killed me even if it even if you were my mate, you'd earned that happiness. So this is kind of a big deal because we all know the whole deal with mates at this point. Right. Like we, It's been well explained to us. And so the fact that he was willing to let his mate go and marry another fae, if it made yeah. her happy, about the kind of person that Resand is and what that makes Resand. And wow, you know, it's kind of a, the emotional yeah. depth that that takes. Exactly. So I'm just, I'm always blown away by this, by, by what it shows Reese's on the inside, but on her wedding day, when he, he felt her and heard her panic and he, he, he completely lost it. He was going to go get drunk with Cassie in that day. Y'all he was going to get just like you do hammered and he lost it and he went into the wedding. And as he says, all I could see was you in your stupid wedding dress. So thin, so, so thin and pale. And I wanted to kill him for it. And I had to get you out. I had to call in that bargain just once to get you away to see if you were all right. Oh my God. Reese hasn't seen her in three months and he sees exactly how horrible she looks, how sick she is, how unwell she is, how unhealthy she is. He wants to save her. Tamlin's there every day and doesn't give two shits. And then Reese continues, you know, he's explaining to her, you know, for the next couple of times after that because remember we had a couple of months of visits here he's like it killed me to send you back to see you waste away month by month it killed me to know he was sharing your bed not just because you were my mate but because i knew i was in love with you the moment i picked up that knife to kill amarantha and as we pointed out at the time again yeah we all knew something was up because Notice how he picked up the knife to kill Amarantha. Nobody else fucking wanted to man up at that moment. Did Tamlin, did Tampon get a pair of balls? No. No, he was delayed. (laughs) I think he's still delayed, but that's a whole different story. (laughs) Touche. So anyway, when he finally got her to the night court, he decided he wasn't going to tell her. Because everything that he had experienced with his family and friends up to that point. And he decided that her hating him was better than the alternative. Because he was afraid that if he, he really let himself love her and, and let her know that, that she would be taken from him like his sister and his mother had been and other friends of his. And he's like, I was fine until the day he locked you up. And, you know, it's, remember, we talk about that, that, that Moore's the one who came in and got her. Yeah. And I just can't imagine what that conversation was like. <laughs> oh, no. I can't wait to see that one. That's going to be a fun conversation because, you know, they're going to have to show that conversation at some point in some manner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what did he say to her to get her to so quickly just be like, I'm on it, man. Well, not only that, but I think even more knows enough to know how 
fragile and abused Faber really was by Tamlin. And I think that had a lot to do with it too. For sure, for sure. So, you know, as, as Rhysand says, and I, I love how he says this, he goes, I would have killed him if he'd been there, but I broke some very, very fundamental rules in taking you away. Amarin said, if I got you to admit that we were mates, it would keep any trouble from our door, but I couldn't force the bond on you. I couldn't try to seduce you into accepting the bond either, even if it gave Tamlin license to wage war on me. You'd been through so much. I didn't want you to think that everything I did was to win you just to keep my lands safe, but I couldn't. I couldn't stop being around you and loving you and wanting you, and I still can't stay away. And this is the end of the story. And and guys, you have no idea how many pages I didn't even go into. Like, ah, there's so much. Exactly. There's so much. It's so well written. It really is. You need to read the chapter to really get it. So Farah gets done listening, realizes he's done. She looks at Reese. She turns around. She goes to the stove, picks up a ladle and a bowl ladles the soup into the bowl and walks over to him and she stops and before she gives him anything before she does anything else she goes you love me and he nods and she realizes that love is too weak of a word for how she feels about him she puts the bowl down in front of him and tells him then eat and that my friends is the end of chapter 54 so she has accepted her bond with reese Woo! thank god it's about yeah, effing it'd time. Re- it'd be a really fucking weird book if she didn't. <laughs> be a very different book, that's for sure. So, whew. Oosah. I mean, yeah. we're there, kids. And, we're there. And with that, that's this is this is how we get chapter 55. Yes. Are you ready for some rhyme time? Let's do this. Okay, friends. We have made it to chapter 55. Oh, chapter 55. (laughs) So for starters, Reese is basically like, okay, so I unloaded a lot just then. Aren't you going to say anything? And of course he waits until after he waits the soup. So honestly, I have no idea what the procedure would have been if she gave him the soup, accepted the bond, and then was like, fuck you. (laughs) But luckily that doesn't happen. <laughs> and she's True. just she's just like, I was going to tell you what I decided the moment I saw you on the threshold, which is like cute. But then just like to complete this moment, he's like, so is that still the case? <laughs> and, and she says, and now I want you to know, Rizan, that I love you. I want you to know that I am broken and healing, but every piece of my heart belongs to you. And I am honored honored to be your mate and reese apparently is like falling apart like cue lip tremble tears sliding down cheeks also like note that pharaoh she points out that she kisses his tears away and she says that he did this for her once and we're talking about that moment under the mountain with the licking i guess and i'm just i'm glad to see say that we um see that in a better light these days uh because apparently yeah. before we thought it was disgusting but now we're like oh let's repeat this 
<laughs> so it is nice to see it in a more positive light. I agree. <laughs> Amazing how that scene was um, not so positively viewed until this moment. <laughs> Oops. But the uh, piece de resistance is uh, Feyre. <laughs> she breathes, apparently, and I hate when people in books say that. You don't breathe talk. That doesn't make anything like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. But anyway, apparently she breathes um, your mind, which really undoes our boy. <laughs> and because of that, now, folks, we bring you chapter 55 the only way we know how to without getting kicked off the air so to speak <laughs> chapter 55 is basically 50 shades of fey thank you hubby for suggesting that one <laughs> so true we decided we're going to dr seussify it a bit so because you know little ears yeah so if you are listening to this in the car it's not that bad but um still you know use your best judgment uh, chapter 55, friends. <clears throat> Finally, Feyre and Reese are together and the fans, we have waited on this forever. Will they do it on a chair? Will they do it on a stair? No, they'll do it on a table getting paint everywhere. It started with your mind and that was fine, but now Reese has painted a downward arrow on her belly. Is that a sign? It is, it is, lest you forget where this is going to end, says our dark-winged bat boyfriend. She's still laying on top of the paint, and just to prove it, she runs her hands through his hair, streaking blue, red, and green through it. He pulls her to the end of the table, her legs on his shoulders, he drops to his knees. Don't make me draw you a diagram, please. Reese, she sighs, she wants him now, so he carries her to bed, dropping her down gently like a kiss on a brow. With gentleness and curiosity, she reaches out for his wing, but he doesn't have time for that when they're going to do the thing. <laughs> now, with all joking aside, Feyre thinks about how far they've come, a friend through dangers and trauma, no matter where it came from. Without saying exactly, I'm sure you can figure it out. At the end, she lights up like a star. I'm sure you know what that's about. <laughs> Now, this is only the first time of many, too many to count, but we hope you enjoyed our Dr. Seuss version of 55, at least a little amount. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Takes a long chapter and bundles it up quite nicely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the point is, is they keep doing it all the ways in all the places and you honestly just have to read it. But uh, hopefully you thought that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> but and I- yes. Bathtub, bathtub sex is a thing in this. Film. Oh yes, I have that noted. I was like, I like the part that stands out to me in this whole like post sexy time conversation right before the bathtub sex starts. There's like there is like a little conversation that actually happens in this chapter. Yes, <laughs> and it's when he admits that he thinks he probably fell in love with her when she set the trap for the Middengard work. And like, I just want to point out that even like we said that. <laughs> in our episode about that chapter like I was mm -hmm. insisting how good that scene is going to be for tv and I said I'd be disappointed if we don't get to watch Reese watch her and that's because even on the first read I knew that this was the moment where at the very least he suddenly believed in her if nothing else right so I mean not to say we told you so but we told you so <laughs> tra la la in fairness, he clarifies it's because that, like, that's when he could see her being part of the inner circle. He could see her as someone that could, like, hold her own against Cassian and a lot of them. <laughs> 
and hold she, it on against Amron. I mean, I think that right. that was a big thing for him too, right? <laughs> Because you know, Amron is like your older sister who would be like, get this bitch out of here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she admits that she knew she loved him at Starfall, which, duh. <laughs> but Hello. she, like, did you read Starfall? Um, anyway, she kind of alluded to it. Oh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Like I said, we told you so. <laughs> but she has a sweet line in there where, like he says that she had good reason to not want to deal with like the bond. Like she was kind of like, eh, sorry, I didn't figure it out sooner. And he's like, you know, you kind of had good reason to like not want to deal with her feelings and stuff. And she said, no, I didn't. Maybe thanks to Tamlin. Yes, but it has nothing to do with you, Reese. Nothing to do with you. I was never afraid of the consequences of being with you. Even if every assassin in the world hunts us, it's worth it. You are worth it. But this conversation changes when Farah asks, so what now? <laughs> Reese goes on to explain the differences between a wedding and a mating ceremony, doing nothing is an option, and how she could be his wife as well as his mate, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, mm-hmm, great. I meant about hibern during and like the whole world ending thing, but that's good too. So yeah. Just have some interesting non sequitur moments of where uh-huh. her brain goes. Uh-huh. They had a lot of sex. They talked about when they fell in love. And then she's like, so hibern. <laughs> I got to admit, uh, if I were Reese, I would not have gone to Highburn either. Uh, right. Uh, but in fairness, oh, by the way, they're going to go speak to the queens tomorrow. Reese forgot to mention that between all the sexy times. Uh, Oopsie. <laughs> which we have more of, by the way, now. It's um, Fifty Shades Darker, if you will, um, a.k.a. Starlight, Starbright, which watch Feyre light up tonight. <laughs> yeah. Good work, Kim. I liked that one. <laughs> Anytime, because she does. She just, Yeah. Mm-hmm. put a pin in that because it will come back well and I was in the say, next book there is like an important part to that which is like without too much detail you know little ears um when they finish their evening festivities um she is on top and his wings are out and this is important because this is now Feyre and this moment is helping to erase memories Reese has of Amarantha doing similar things but in a less exciting way and he always had to hide his, right and he always had to hide his wings from her so it's like a bittersweet weird moment <laughs> that they have um but she knows why they're finishing up that way and what she's doing and so mm-hmm. she decides she's going to like let that little starlight bright thing happen and what she actually says is but i would glow for him i'd glow for my own future i'd glow and I thought that was mm-hmm. adorable. She's like a little glow worm. It's very sweet. But blah, 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 sex, blah, 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 snowflake, blah, blah, blah. Basically, we learn that this friends of like this frenzy of sexiness is normal in a post-mating situation. And then because this book sometimes likes to get a little too realistic, sort of like they discuss their tax structure in this book, um, we are now discussing birth control options. (laughs) Feyre isn't on any. Um, She could be, but uh, she assumes he doesn't want her to so that, you know, they can have little high lord offsprings or whatever. And he's all, it's your choice, which, you know, go Reese. But Basically, like most millennials, they're both like, bring a kid into this world? No. <laughs> so um, they decide to wait. And okie dokie. Um, I swear it's like sweeter than I made it sound, but 
you get the point. And the chapter basically finishes with Reese telling her, you take all the time you need. And if I get you all to myself for the rest of eternity, then I won't mind that at all. Which again, oh, that's that's chapter 55 for you. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot, but we turned it into a song. Well, a book, well, a rhyme. I don't know. We turned it into something. So chapter 56, um, if chapter 54 and 55 were a lot, chapter 56 is a little. <laughs> yeah, it's very tiny. <laughs> so, so chapter 56, and Reese winnows them to the Illyrian war camp. And he's kind of like, I don't really care if they have a bean on my magic, if they're stupid enough to try and come after me with 10,000 Illyrian warriors after me, go get them, buddy. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm like, you know, like, I kind of like that logic. <laughs> but as soon as they land, Cassian takes one look at Reese and he starts provoking them and picking a fight with him. And all the Illyrian men grab all the women and children and literally shoot up into the sky. They GTFO, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And Cass and Reese actually start the fight. And more, I mean, and they really fight. I mean, it gets ugly fight. And yeah. They get a little upset. And more's like, they're going to be at this for a while. But yeah, they're like to the family. They're like beating the shit out of each other, like intentionally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because Cassian's like, oh, Reese is in his weird little post-mating frenzy. Mm, this could get fucking dangerous if he like beats up the wrong yep. people. So that's why right. Cassian provokes him. So like, I mean, it makes exactly. some, it may, okay. I can't say it makes logical sense in the real world, but I can say it makes logical sense in this world. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah i agree more's just like well welcome to the family i want to come this way <laughs> and they go in the house which yeah. honestly it kind of makes favor feel good that she's been welcomed to the family Aww. and then we have a snowflake and reese comes in which is and... amazing because this chapter is like six pages and somehow we still get a fucking snowflake <laughs> yeah well you know reese comes in more takes off we we, we have some some one-on-one -on -one sexy times in the kitchen And as soon as they're done, of course, Cassian's banging on the door. Which I'm obsessed go. with. I'm obsessed with the idea that Moore and Cassian are standing outside and Cassian's like, can I knock now? Moore's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ugh, can I walk? Can I knock now? No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I knock now? Mm, okay, they're done. They're done. Knock now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they clean up. And we're not even going to talk about the fact Valar. that he like hands her a fucking washcloth, guys. I can't. I can't. I fucking no. can't. <laughs> hey, at least he was being considered enough to do that, you know? <sighs> okay, I'm not going to lie. There was a whole TikTok I ran into the other day about that where they were like the difference between the guys who get you a towel and the ones who are like, you want me to get you a what? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, at least he has the forethought to um, give her said washcloth. I just feel like we could have left that out of the book and I would have been okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I agree. Again, it's one of those real world details where I'm like, I, I, I get it because we're like world building. You're making me feel like I'm there. But honestly, sometimes I don't need to feel like I'm there. Not on tax day, not now. <laughs> right. So anyway, they winnow out to Valaris. So more must take them and winnow them out because we don't want Hibern and Valaris. You get another snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> and 
they go to dinner at the House of Wind. And as they walk in, the entire inner circle stands up. They put their hands over their chest and they spur to protect and serve and they bow to Pharaoh. And she's like, huh? <laughs> and she's, yeah, she's a little like, what the? Um, okay. And she's like, you know, I just want to be friends and so they're, and they're like, oh no, we are, but we will protect and serve. So that's pretty much it. They talk yeah, about the, which is, the next which day is they're like, going to. Yeah. The next day they're the going to. Day, uh, yeah, they're going to, to her sister's house to meet with the queens with the orb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will just say that like their little dinner thing and the swearing to protect and serve and stuff. It, it is really. Um, how do I put this? I think if you picture it again, it's like one of those things where like visually it's going to be like a really nice moment. I think for TV, it's a brilliant moment. Mm-hmm. It um, be perfect. It just TV. reads. Okay. <laughs> but visually in my head, stunning. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like, I feel like my point about this is just the fact that we talked about one time how like some people like basically see a movie in their heads when they read and other people see like nothing um i i would venture to guess sarah j mass could see a movie in her head because otherwise there'd be no point to writing some stuff like that (laughs) i agree so i agree i'd throw that little sidebar out there but yeah that pretty much wraps up that chapter yeah so 57 Mm -hmm. take it away so to wrap up today, we bring you back to the bitchy queens post sexy scenes. <laughs> Seems to be a theme yeah. we got going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> but once again, Farrah is dressed in a flowy dress and a crown that matches Reese, and they stand together um, with Cassie and Asenmore as well as the sisters in the room uh, as the queens arrive. And the eldest queen does pick up on the fact that this time. This time, Reese and Feyre are holding hands. And they're just Aww. like, hmm, hmm. The queens don't know what to do with this, hmm. <laughs> and they take their seats. And the ones that, well, I should say, they take their seats, the ones that bothered to come this time. Uh, the yes. oldest <laughs> commenting, we debated for many days whether we should return. Three of us found the insult to be unforgivable. Referring to Nesta's outburst, which I think everyone agrees was totally called for. Yes, it was. And Feyre says to this, if that is the worst insult any of you have ever received in your lives, I'd say you are all in quite for quite a shock when the war comes. <laughs> which is like her mic drop moment, and I approve. Yes. The younger queen smiles a little and finally approaches the elephant in the room. So he won your heart after all, curse breaker. And while I think Reese and Feyre like thought their relationship would be a selling point to the queens, you know, mm-hmm. a true fey human type alliance, uh, they're basically just like, "Ew, Feyre is a fey now. It doesn't count." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oi. Uh, Nesta does chime in and defend Feyre and Reese's relationship when it's scrutinized by one of the queens. Do not judge what you know nothing about, she hisses. And 
That being said, there's some back and forth bickering between the old queen asking, you know, where the box is for, you know, Morris holding supposedly the proof that was promised. And Feyre is trying to keep her mouth shut because she's pretty sure that showing them Valaris will only backfire. But Reese tells her down the bond war is sacrifice. If we do not gamble Valaris, we risk losing Perthian and more. So (laughs) this is going well. More kicks into gear, revealing the orb from her box. This is the Veritas, the gift of my first ancestor to our bloodline. Only a few times in the history of Perithian have we used it. Have we unleashed its truth upon the world? Truth is deadly. Truth is freedom. Truth can break and mend and bind. The Veritas holds in it the truth of the world. I am the Morrigan. You know I speak the truth. Sidebar, we've discussed Morgan in a previous episode, and this like kind of weirdly flimsy statement that like her being the Morgan means that she tells the truth still strikes me as flimsy. Uh, and there's actually an entire TikTok about it, and I will hunt it down and put it in the show notes for you because I was like, hmm, okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> nope. But basically, more shows Valaris in the globe, and Reese explains what they're seeing. They see Valaris from Reese's point of view flying above. And Farah notes internally that it's almost like you can feel the love that he has for the city pouring from the images. And Reese explains, that is Valaris. For 5,000 years, we have kept it secret from outsiders. And now you know. That is what I protect with the rumors, the whispers, the fear. Why I fought for your people in the war only to begin my own supposed reign of terror once I ascended my throne and ensured everyone heard the legends about it. But if the cost of protecting my city and people is the contempt of the world, then so be it. Uh, But this uh, moving speech falls on deaf ears. The queens call this offer appreciated and say they will consider things. Moore and Reese try to explain that there's no time for this, but the old queen just unloads her bitchiness. Did you think we would be moved by your letter, your plea? And she reads the letter. I write to you not as a high lord, but as a male in love with a woman who is once human. I write to you to beg you to act quickly, to save her people, to help save my own. I write to you so one day we might know true peace, so I might one day be able to live in a world where the woman I love may visit her family without fear of hatred and reprisal. A better world, she sets down the letter. Um, So Reese had written that letter a few weeks ago, and Faye realized that's even before they made it, obviously. And basically that he said he'd write a letter and it wasn't a demand letter. It was a love letter, which I think was like a bold, ballsy move, but it could have worked for anybody who wasn't this fucking bitch. (laughs) Moore still fails to make the queen see what's happening. And everyone's just kind of at a loss until suddenly Nesta is the one who explodes in quiet anger. This is the talk of mad women, of arrogant, stupid fools. Give them the book. Give them the book. And when she's told no, this is why I like Nesta. There are innocent people here in these lands. If you will not risk your necks against the forces that threaten us, then grant those people a fighting chance. Give my sister the 
book. And the queens just babble about how they could evacuate this, that, or the other thing. And Nesta's like, I crunched the numbers. It's impossible to evacuate us all. But the queens just tell her that like, well, then you should have one of those bat boys fly you out of harm's way. And Nesta, finally about to bust into tears, says something that she never says. Please, please do not leave us to face this alone. But the queens remain silent. As does Reese, but we'll come back to that. (laughs) Because this is so subtle but so good somehow the first time i read this part i just kind of was like "Mm, that's nice (laughs) i don't know what the fuck planet i was on i think because i was still coming off of chapter 55 the first time and was like oh boy that was a lot but upon like my second and third read read oh this might be like one of my favorite like little like hidden nuggets in the whole book yep cassian crosses the room to nesta he looks at her for a moment and nesta is angry crying which i personally can relate to (laughs) when she finally notices him looking at her and she turns to him and he says 500 years ago i fought on battlegrounds not far from this house i fought beside human and fairy alike blood beside them I will stand on that battlefield again, Nesta Archeron, to protect this house, your people. I can think of no better way to end my existence than to defend those who need it most. And a tear finally escapes down her cheek, only for Cassian to wipe it away. And (laughs) yeah, but I think this is the part where I was like, because at first I was like, oh, but then I was also like, is he going to catch hands for that? (laughs) But Feyre most impressed by this whole thing notices that she does not flinch away from his touch like she would have expected nesta to exactly and not really knowing why she being Feyre, turns and looks at more and notes i didn't know why but i looked at more her eyes were wide not with jealousy or irritation but Something perhaps like awe. And this moment is like, I don't know. I just think this is like one of the most amazing parts in the whole book. <laughs> it's very short, but I really, really like it. <laughs> and, well, and the thing is, is if we had all read the magic hidden chapter. Well, yeah, then. <laughs> this, then this, this scene makes so much more sense. This would have a lot more around it. I swear to God, I'm going to hunt that link down for you guys. I don't know why I keep putting that off. <laughs> Maybe because I technically know I saw a TikTok about this too the other day where I was like, yes, me too. Where it's like, I don't want to like condone, like, you know, basically pirating things on the internet. But on the other hand, <laughs> in this specific situation, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's why I haven't found you guys the link because I'm not trying to participate in pirating. But I'm just saying that maybe when I find it, I will happen to find it publicly on like tiktok or pinterest or something okay (laughs) but anyway back to what we were saying which is this moment's just kind of amazing and that's why i'm like so excited for this journey that we're going to go on with the two of them but uh anyways without giving too much away (laughs) the queens are still 
unmoved and just silently stand to leave. And Moore tries everything. She tries to like pay them off, beg them, nothing works. And Reese is still weirdly silent, but I like to point out that our man always has a plan. Uh, Don't forget it. (laughs) Once the queens are gone, Faye returns to Reese who is staring at the chair where the quiet gold queen had been seated. And there is a box. Mm -hmm. And Feyre mm-hmm. realizes that this is why Reese had stopped talking. He'd seen her shift in her seat and place the box, and he wanted them out of there as soon as possible. On the lid of this box is a note. I read your letter about the woman you love. I believe you. And I believe in peace. I believe in a better world. If anyone asks, you stole this during the meeting. Do not trust the others. The sixth queen was not ill. And there in the box is the book. The other half. Not too much time for oohs and ahs of the book. Uh, Reese addresses Feyre's sisters. It is your choice, ladies, whether you wish to remain here or come with us. You have heard the situation at hand. You have done the math about the evacuation. Should you choose to remain, a unit of my soldiers will be here within the hour to guard this place. Should you wish to come live with us in the city that we just showed them, I'd suggest you pack now. Nesta leaves the decision up to Elaine, who looks at her engagement ring and decides to stay, which I think is a fucking dumbass move, but what do I know? <laughs> like, love. okay, like he better be a fucking winner, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, don't even get us started. <laughs> Book three, y'all. <laughs> Reese agrees to send his unit promptly and reminds them that they're welcome in his home anytime if they change their minds. And as they go to leave, Nesta looks at Reese and Cassian and then back at Feyre and bows her head slightly and quietly says, that was why you painted stars on your drawer. And I know, and that's the end of 57. And like, I love that Nesta, you know, is hard to get along with. Yeah, like she's hard to get along with, but like sees everything you know what I mean like she because you got to remember in the first book she was the one that was like I mean she's a royal bitch but like royal bitch who's observant when when Feyre came back she was like so you fall in love out there (laughs) Like, like she knew from just like talking to her sister that like there was a whole Tamlin thing and like she had gone after her sister like Glamour didn't even work on her because she like put basically I think it didn't work on her because she could put two and two together Like, I've decided that for Glamour to work accurately, you have to be kind of in la-la land. (laughs) Like, I think that a Glamour only works if you, like, want it to work, per se. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're willing to, like, not try to figure stuff out. (laughs) But anyway, the point is, I just love that Nesta's like, oh, like like she's put it together not only like oh you're actually like with him now definitely like tamlin's going bye bye like she's not only figured this out but she's like oh you're with him now like this is why you painted the stars on your drawer like damn nesta Mm -hmm. for a human you're something yeah (laughs) she's smart um she wasn't so bitchy yeah 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 I don't know. It's really hard. I, again, saw another TikTok that pointed out and 
you know, doing like the rereads, I'll have to see like how I feel because uh, I mean, it's not giving anything away to say that like Silver Flames, if you don't know, is mostly about Nesta. And so um, I saw something that pointed out that like for a lot of people, they wouldn't have had a problem with Nesta or been like irritated going into Silver Flames if it hadn't been for Frost and Starlight. And I kind of see that. And arguably- I think you have to keep in mind that Frost and Starlight is the (laughs) Christmas special, if you will. And I don't think it gave a very good full picture. I think it was a Christmas special that Mm. focused on let's watch Feyre get her shit together. Like let's watch Feyre heal. And I don't, and, and that's fine, but I don't think we can take everything we know about Nesta in that book for like word for word for what it is because I think it belittles her traumas a little bit and makes you just mad at her like you see her lashing out you don't remember why (laughs) well yeah because the timing of it's kind of wonky right but I mean at the same time she oh I mean yeah She's not good at communicating with the others anyway. Oh, no, not at all. To, if she had even said something to Elaine. Oh, yeah. But in fairness, I and this is just my opinion, and this is just because I have no, I, I you know me, I do not like Elaine. So to me, even if I was Nesta, I wouldn't see the point in trying to explain Jack shit to Elaine. Because let's be real at this moment, at this moment anywhere where we are in the books, like, I mean, things can change. But like where we are at this moment in the books, I wouldn't ever try to explain Jack shit to Elaine because Elaine is the bitch who's like, but I'm in love with a fey hate man who's going to save me. Like, good luck with that, Elaine. Good luck. Really, just kind of like that weird southern belle that you just kind of want to smack upside exactly. The head. Yeah. So, like, if Elaine really thinks that like her boyfriend is going to like save them from Highburn, then there would be no point in try in Frost and Starlight for like Nesta to try to talk to Elaine. <laughs> like, <laughs> there just probably would be no point. Um, but anyway, my long side tangent on Nesta is just that I actually love chapter 57 because it gives us that little insight into like nesta and cassian and all of that for future Mm -hmm. reference um but yeah (laughs) that's the end of this chapter and where we're going to leave you for this episode please heads up uh just that the next few episodes we're wrapping up this book the chapter chunks are short because they're kind of bizarre (laughs) like we are really about to just like kick shit into high gear from here on to the end of the book and it's gonna get wild like nothing you think you know is going to happen like if you are reading this for the first time and you are just now finishing chapter 57 with us just like hold on to your hat because it's about to Mm -hmm. take a turn that you trust me i I really doubt you see coming (laughs) Oh yeah. I really, really doubt it. I mean, unless you're like me and like, you know, the internet has spoiled everything for everyone. (laughs) Well, yeah, but other than that. But yeah, if you're really reading for the first time and you haven't had the whole thing spoiled for you, damn, it's about to get wild. So with that, Kim, what songs do you have for the playlist today? (laughs) Well, we have quite a few because, because, well, you know, 
Well, because chapter 55 is fun to put music to. <laughs> it is. There's so many options. Yeah, exactly. You can go so many ways with it. So I did kind of break these down into 54, which is Risa's story. 55 and 56, because sex. And chapter 57, which is the Queens. The first song is Dream a Little Dream. I like the Michael Bublé version because I love Michael Bublé's voice, but mm-hmm. pick a version you like. There's so many. I'm pick just a version, a any version. Bublé. Yeah. But Dream a Little Dream. And it's Beast to Fair talking about seeing her in his dreams and, you know, the whole bit in his story. And then there's Just a Dream by Nellie. Again, Reese telling Farrah about seeing her in his dreams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have a dream theme going, I guess, right? Just a little. (laughs) And then kind of the bridge between them. And I don't care what version you take. Take take the artist that floats your boat on this song. Because there are so many freaking versions of this song. Help yourself. Um, but the next song is Can't Help Falling in Love. Of course, Elvis is the one who made it famous, but my personal favorite version happens to be Corey Hart's version. There's just something kind of haunting about the way he did it. Mm-hmm. And I like the Rick Astley version too, believe it or not. I swear we, uh, he is known for things that are not the Rick role. <laughs> it really is. Though so I guess if, if you're from any generation outside of the 80s where we grew up listening to him, um, you may not know that, but yeah, I was actually a fan of her ghastly there. So, and then, well, here's chapters 55 and 56. Take it however you want. The first song is This Kiss by Faith Hill. Uh, the next song is I Want You Now by Depeche Mode. Um, the one after that is I Want Your Sex by George Michael. I wonder <laughs> why. The There's a theme. There's I Love You by Sarah McLaughlin. I do cherish you by 98 degrees. Yes, I do have a pretty eclectic music taste. People, I was gonna say, I haven't thought about 98 degrees, I swear, like since 98. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but still, <laughs> I actually saw them in concert at Merriweather Post. I don't know what that says. <laughs> I went with some friends, yeah, and we were close too. We had really close seats. Be afraid, be very afraid. And then there's Love Shack by the B-52s for every obvious reason under the sun. Because, well. I'm sorry. I'm still caught up on 98 Degrees. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That was the Lachey brothers, correct? Yes. Yes, Drew yes. Lachey. The only reason I'm thinking about it is because I was never a huge fan of them. It's fine. They weren't bad. I just wasn't a huge fan. Uh, but then I was a huge fan of Drew Lachey when he was on Dancing with the Stars. He's probably one of the best they've ever had. But I mean, I think it's kind of cheating to have a boy band dancer in that competition. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the one for this year, they have a couple that I'm, I, I, I question. Oh, yeah. I mean, now that show has gone off the rails. So, I mean... <laughs> But I mean, at the time, that... at the time, because that was only like season True. two or three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Let's... I'm talking like they they're, they just announced season 30 today on GNA. Yeah. 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 No, I think he was season like two or three. So, um, and I mean, he was no, incredible. He, he is. But... He's good. And I always thought both the Lachey boys were pretty. I like pretty boys. I'm not going to lie. They are pretty. Um, 
but I just could not forgive uh, Nick Lachey for marrying Jessica Simpson. Not that there's anything wrong with her, but then they had that whole TV show and they had the whole chicken or fish moment. And that was the time I swear to God, that was when we watched that marriage fall apart was when he had to look at his wife who was asking if tuna was chicken or fish. Yeah. Well, you know, she's not the sharpest knife in the door. Yeah. That was when we watched a marriage fall apart on television guys. Anyway, (laughs) not something I recommend doing, but sorry for that random sidebar. Just thought it would be fun to ask. Carry on Kim. (laughs) So the next song I picked is, um, I think of it after Farah lights up the sky, which is heaven is a place on earth by Belinda Carlisle. Lulz. And, um, and now we're, we're in chapter 57 and I have two songs. The first one is into the mystic by Van Morrison. And I just, I love, I love the story that that song tells. If you really listen to it, it's really kind of pretty. It's cool. It's got Mm -hmm. some great music to it. And my last song and, and all right, Renfair peeps, you can all give me a big woohoo because I'm going to make a whole bunch of you happy, especially if you're a pirate fan. Um, Miscovered Mountains of Home by the Pirates Royale. Yes, you can find them on Spotify. They're awesome. I know the guys. I love them. They're just the best. So Captain Moon, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, they're, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. I had Kelsey listen to it for the first time. And she was oh, like, yes. oh my gosh. I was like, this is perfect. Because it kind of evokes that whole feeling of them flying over Valaris and seeing things. And it just, it's just beautiful. So there's my 20 million songs for this episode. But we love them, Kim. So thank you. (laughs) All right. And uh, between now and next week, as a reminder, you could be uh, training like an Illyrian with the rest of us. You could be doing your Valkyrie training right now. It is September. Well, if you're listening to this, when this episode comes out, it is September. If you're listening to it in the future, my bad. But you could be joining us with Books and Barbells on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and doing all the training things. We are, um, as we're recording this episode, we are what on day eight of the challenge. I've done all eight days. I mean, I'm dying, but I've done them. (laughs) I I have to say Kelsey's doing much better than I am. Unfortunately, I have been under the weather for the last several days. So I haven't gotten, I kind of got. She's been, uh, we're lucky she's here with us today, folks. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I really feel like somebody's beat the bejesus out of me in multiple places on multiple ways. So, yeah, I'm done. But I, I'm I promise, to be over. I promise you don't sound like it. You're still gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's, it's taken a lot of medicine and a lot of, all right, Michigan peeps, you'll understand this. Anyone who listens to Michigan, a lot of burners which if you're from Michigan, it is the ultimate fix for um, whenever you're sick, your, your parents give you burners and I'm drinking my burners because I don't feel good. So <laughs> like when you're in the UK, iron brew fixes everything. Well, it does. Iron brew fixes everything. It's the only reason I didn't puke on a bus. Uh, anyway, with that, 
like I said, you could be training with us or you could be following yes. us on all the things. Or if you're following us on all the things, you can see my selfies I take while I am working out and I am sweaty and disgusting. Um, so, you know, I mean, if that's not a draw, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. you, Unfortunately, I don't let her take pictures of me that much. But if you want to see me being a disaster on the interwebs, you're more than welcome. You can follow us on all the things. They all have two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name, you know, like I said, because we're cute like that. So website, <laughs> massive fans book club com facebook at massive fans book club and podcast twitter at massive podcast instagram at massive fans podcast instagram by the way is pretty much like where we're most active at and where you can yeah, see all the things it is. pinterest at massive fans i do put some fun stuff on there though and tiktok at massive fan pod also if you follow us on tiktok you will see that's where i've been putting all of my uh workout updates every day yeah. for the saving Prithian challenge with books and barbells and um yeah you can go there follow us and laugh at me but you know what it's fine it's fine we're all just out here well, sweating you know, together if they do that they could also they can also participate in the giveaway between the two exactly of us. there is a giveaway with books and barbells so um yeah you could be sweating with us and uh join a giveaway just just saying okay okay well with that okay bye bye